Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Tuesday, October 4th edition of the Basement Academy. October 4th is a special day in our household. Uh, 30 years ago today, our son Turner, our oldest son, was baptized, and so we celebrate his baptism birthday. And 30 years ago today, on October 4th, 1992, I was ordained into the ministry as a minister of word and sacrament in the Presbyterian Church USA. So I find it profoundly significant that 30 years to the day, I would be talking about the things I'm going to be talking about today. But I do so with respect uh, to the vows I've spoken and the denomination that has nurtured me and watched over me. And so all that I've been sharing in recent weeks and certainly today uh, is spoken of under the vows that I've taken uh, within the context of these ordination vows. So happy 30th uh, baptism birthday for Turner and happy 30 ordination day for Don. Uh, let's begin with the morning psalm, Psalm 34. This is a psalm of David. The heading says, When he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. Interesting story in the life of David. Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. None of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Amen. Perhaps Paul had this in mind when he said in Romans 8, or wrote in Romans 8, um, if anyone is in Christ, uh, there is no condemnation. So, 
turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. And so hopefully these words are offered in that spirit and, and with that prayer. And so yesterday talked about what is the proper motive, if any, for seeking realignment, to, to move away from one's denominational home and family and, and um, connection towards another uh, denominational family connection. The tendency I suggested yesterday is to want to default kind of in the spirit of Cain, as it were, to anger, to dismissiveness, to contempt, um, looking at others as kind of, you're my enemy. And I would offer that is not the motive that, that we would want to pursue. We want to seek peace. We want to pursue. And I would offer that the, the higher motive, the better motive is love, the most excellent motive, uh, to, to paraphrase Paul. Uh, we've already gone on, go, gone over this, but it's been several weeks ago. But to, to remember that the context for the New Testament, our scriptures are written against the, the backdrop of the Jew-Gentile division. That's the original uh, division within the world. Um, God ordained it so, setting aside Abraham and his family and the rest of the world. So the, the Jews, Abraham's family, and then all others, the Gentiles, the Goyim. And so... Jesus comes to seek and to save the lost, and he goes first to the lost sheep of Israel, but his intention all along in fulfillment of ancient prophecy uh, through Abraham and the prophets, etc., is that Israel would be a light to the Gentiles, that all peoples, all nations would come to know Jesus as Messiah and Lord. But right at the headwaters, <laughs> right when the gospel comes, when Jesus is, is crucified and raised, and, and proclaimed as Messiah, the initial thinking is he's just Messiah for the Jews, for Abraham's family. Even deep in, you know, the ministry is unfolding, and then uh, Peter is preaching to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He has that heavenly vision to go to Cornelius' house, and then he realizes, now I get it. God does not show favoritism. But from the Gentiles also, he is calling those to be saved. And so easier said than done, though. You've got years of hostility. And so the, the, the context is how do we bring Jew and Gentile together in Christ? And so that's the primary challenge to, to unity is the Jew-Gentile division. And so let me read some passages from, from Romans. Uh, in Romans, skip over to Romans chapter 12. Uh, Paul writes, "For the by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others." And so there is but one body of Christ. There are many different denominational families, but there's only one body, only one church. And so we uh, affirm that. He goes on in verse 9, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. 
Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Mm. Live in, this is verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. And so I'm, I'm, I'm skipping around a little bit in, in Romans chapter 12. And so it begins by saying, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. We, in Christ, each member belongs to one another in the, in the body. Uh, let us be devoted to one another in love. Insofar as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. So there's this, it is not that we, there's no anger. At least I certainly harbor no anger. Um, I acknowledge there's an, a, diff, a different interpretive framework that uh, the, the majority uh, within the Presbyterian Church USA has adopted. I believe that framework has shifted over time, hence the, the different uh, boundary lines that have shifted. But there's this reality, that, that this call that we're to live at peace, to, to, to consider others better than ourselves, to live in love, to honor one another. Chapter 14 of Romans similarly offers guidance for a church that is struggling. Uh, when you bring Jew and Gentile together, you have different understandings, different backgrounds. And so uh, the, 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 the Jews have had restrictions on, uh, they've had dietary restrictions with respect to food. And the Gentiles are coming out of a context where there is meat offered in the meat market that has been offered to idols. So, the, so meat is for sale that has been offered to idols. And, and so there's some whose consciences are, consciences are um, grieved by that, thinking that I would not want to eat anything that has been offered to an idol. I, I worship God alone. And yet others recognize an idol is no God at all. It is nothing. It is a statue. It, it's a nothingness. And so that meat is just meat. And so there are some dietary, um, there were some challenges over food uh, within the early church. And so in chapter 14, Paul writes against that backdrop, how we honor one another. And so um, he says, let us stop, uh, chapter 14, verse 13, therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. So it's a recognition that those in the body of Christ are going to have different understandings, different perspectives on things that are common to us all, but we're going to come at them differently. And so let's, let's do our best not to cause one another uh, to stumble. Um, this idea of um, the, 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 you know, uh, the food laws or the food restrictions being a a cause of struggle. Uh, verse 15, if your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. And so love is that proper motive. We're to love one another, to sacrifice, to yield, to, to honor uh, one another in that way. And so it's this idea that the, the, the 
the, 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 the concerns that we have with respect to our denomination, we come down in some different places. And so how can we honor one another? And so one would say, well, then we stop teaching what we teach and practicing what we practice so as not to cause others to stumble. Similarly, others perhaps could stop teaching what they teach and practice what they practice. And so this is the tension if, if we, if we you know, are, are aware uh, of each other's um, beliefs and behavior in that way. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, um, you know, Paul reminds us, uh, you know, we can have faith that moves mountains. We can speak in the tongue of men and of angels. But if we have not love, we are nothing. And so um, love is that most excellent way. Faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is, is love. Love is patient. It is kind. Um, it's not proud. It's not rude. It is not self-seeking. Um, uh, love is not easily angered. I think that's an important line to, to get out, uh, to, to, to put in front of us. And so love protects, it trusts, it hopes, it perseveres, it doesn't fail. Love is active. It's not the sentiment of love. It's the actions. It's the words. It's the attitudes. It's the way we engage with others. And so Paul is writing in the context of the struggle between Jew and Gentile to walk as one in the body of Christ. And so let's do our very best to honor one another. And so uh, in the manner in which I've been talking about this, you know, for these last several weeks, but stretching back into earlier in the spring uh, when we held a, a number of congregational forums and, and these leadership conversations, I hope that I've always let out in the context of, you know, the, the differences with our sisters and brothers within the Presbyterian Church are, are differences around belief and behavior, but we're not trying to attack. We're not trying to offend. And so this is what drives our thoughts about realignment. We do not wish to offend those in the Presbyterian Church USA by what we uh, teach or, or practice. And so the primary motive here is love. The things I teach both in this context in the basement academy Sunday morning and in you know private conversation with families um, teaching uh, the binary of human sexuality that in the beginning God made the male and female teaching what is called heteronormative marriage marriage between man and woman for life these uh, these teachings cause distress to many in the Presbyterian Church USA Teaching that children in the womb deserve protection causes distress in the Presbyterian Church USA among many. Teaching racism as a universal human phenomenon, not that, not that I'm not racist, but that all of us are, okay? So again, acknowledging this as a universal phenomenon, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no temptation that's overtaken us. It's not common to all of us. Uh, refusing to embrace this power, oppression, intersectional framework. It's been a while since we've talked about intersectionality, but, but refusing to embrace that framework as the framework for justice, rather taking 
a biblical framework and the biblical language and, and biblical uh, stories as the framework for justice. Um, refusing to advocate, to be an advocate for partisan political uh, agendas. In fact, teaching the opposite that we ought not, I ought not be telling you to call your senator and vote for this thing or that thing, right? Or, or ask them to vote for this or that. As a private citizen, do as you will, but I am not going to advocate in, in a particular way. <clears throat> and so, uh, rather than offend, it's out of love for our siblings in Christ and 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 in National Capital Presbytery, the the very notion of speaking of sisters and brothers, we're we've been I've been asked as a minister not to use the language of sisters and brothers at our Presbytery meetings uh, if I were to, you know, be leading worship but that we should use the language of siblings because there are those who do not believe there's only sisters and brothers. There are those who do not identify as a sister or a brother, those who identify uh, with the gender uh, identity of non-binary. They, they identify neither as male uh, nor female. And so even the very language of sisters and brothers itself can be offensive. And I... I, I I try to comply with that to to to, to the best, uh, but it's this it's this notion that the challenge that there are views that I hold and that we at Greenwich uh, have held for years for decades uh, probably for centuries now <laughs> that are counter to the Presbyterian Church USA policies and priorities uh, some that have been recently identified. And so we're trying, I try to teach and preach and practice a faith that is grounded in these scriptures, is biblical, solidly biblical, um, that, 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 that reflects the, 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 on the side of history, as it were, these historical understandings of the faith. There's theological credibility, pastoral sensitivity, all, all of these things. And so I would offer that it is love rather than anger or contempt or dismissiveness or derision or any of those kind of negative qualities, those, those negative postures we take towards another. Again, we don't wish to turn our brothers and others into enemies as, as Cain did. And so... I recognize not everybody may be on the bus with me on this one, right? That, it, that there's a, a default in us to want to look at those in our denomination who hold to some divergent views on things and see them as crazy or see them as, you know, they've gone off the rails or see them as heretics or, you know, any number of kind of pejorative terms. I'm tempted to do the same. I have spoken that way in the past and I seek to repent of that and to, to, to practice better. Hence this call to a more excellent motive and it is the motive of love. So as not to offend, so as not to cause harm, so as not to cause distress, so that we may practice, I may practice and we may practice our faith 
um, freely, openly before the Lord and, and know that we are not by that causing distress uh, in others. So, so let me end there. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up um, tomorrow and, and to start talking about some practical things. It's been very theoretical, I, I realize, but I want to, for the fourth section of our uh, study, uh, for the, to close this out over the next couple of weeks, to start thinking about how do we contend for the truth, but do so with grace. Because at, at this point, some of you may be thinking, yeah, Don, it feels like you're giving the house away. You know, you're giving the farm away. You, you're never standing up for what is right and good and true. And so, so I want to speak in towards that uh, for this final uh, set of lessons, okay? Anyway, let us strive uh, to live uh, with love towards all people. And, and let's take a moment to pray. Father, thank you that love is the motive. And the reason we love others is because you have first loved us. The reason we love you is because you have first loved us. And so out of that first love, that, 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 that prior love, Lord, may we grow in our ability to love and to sacrifice and to honor and to forbear and to be patient and to live at peace with all people, even when there are strains and, and tensions. And so help us to do this well in our homes, uh, in our church, uh, in our community. May we show ourselves to be the followers of Jesus in whose name we pray and who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God of love give you his love, his peace, his power, his joy, that you might go forth to love others this day and forevermore. Amen.